heroes walk among us. They are in our midst every day. At Heroes in Our Midst, we find them, we celebrate them, and we learn from them. Heroes in Our Midst is a podcast about the power inside the heart, the human behind the story, and the collection of idiosyncrasies that both make us unique and bond us together through a common humanity. Join us as we are inspired, as we learn, and as we are challenged to be better by the heroes in our midst and the stories that they tell. Hi, you guys. Well, we're back with another episode of Heroes in Our Midst. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, and I had the distinct pleasure of taking the drive out to Niverville, Manitoba to find our next hero. Jared Funk is a three-time Paralympian in wheelchair rugby. Oh, wait. Not only a Paralympian, but a three-time medalist, one bronze and two silvers. All this, and Jared has been a quadriplegic since the age of 18. The car accident that changed his life forever and the journey that followed is incredible and already inspires us. So what a treat to sit down with a good friend of mine and hear the stories behind the story. It was an honor and I told him so. Well, I think uh, honor's all mine being here with Michelle. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it's been an amazing journey throughout these yeah. years, you know, and um, First and foremost, you know, like you, I'm, we're all rural people here, you know, and yeah. what I love about it, sometimes you talk to a lot of the Olympian, Paralympians, you know, they don't all reside from the big cities and stuff like that, you know, and that's my first and foremost thing is that it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, you know, just set those goals and you can make anything and doesn't matter, and any limitations, whether it be you live in rural area or you have disability or anything like that, they're just all barriers that you can just shatter. Jared, take us back. You weren't always in a wheelchair. Tell us your story. When I was in high school, I was in probably one of the better sports that, you know, you know to play, volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't even know where to go with that one. I love it. <laughs> um, back then, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, um, but yeah, and so, you know, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved all sports. Um, graduated from high school. Uh, was one of the top 10 volleyball heroes in Manitoba. Uh, and I just loved sports. I played a lot. Um, it was um, in my nature to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day, me and my friend were in the city. We were driving to go to 7-Eleven, and that's the last thing I remember. I woke up in the hospital with uh, some nice things screwed into my head, and uh, my parents were taught me, and, and they were telling me that I was in a bad car accident. Uh, I broke my neck at C5, C6. So that's right above the bump that's in the back of your neck. Okay. And um, yeah, that basically you said you had paralysis, and then that's that's where my story start for that way. Yeah. Spent nine and a half months in the hospital, uh, and learned to do everything from scratch. Basically everything from scratch. You know, you went from a forty-inch vertical to zero vertical. You know, if you want to use that terminology, lift. I don't even know how much deadlift then to the lifting half-pound weights. You know, you have to learn to do everything from the beginning. It's like starting from a baby, and then to learn stuff about what it's like with a disability, with a spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I had amazing PT and OT there, and the nurses were great. And um, I, while I was there, though, um, a gentleman named Doug Grant, who was an executive director of Manitoba Sports, he came to me at the time and he said, "Hey, you know, you played sports before. You want to play again?" And that kind of blew my mind. Like, I mean, I can play sports again? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, I didn't have much knowledge of what it was like to in the spinal cord area or people living in a wheelchair. Um, and so I was. Uh, in the hospital and he said hey come down to Duckworth Center at the UW and come check it out so I went down there while I was in the hospital still had my neck brace on and uh, I see these guys in chairs and they're smashing each other I'm like this is awesome and so <laughs> I can't really sit and watch so I got into a chair you know and I was using this funny line I said you know I got into a chair and started playing within the first five minutes my head hit the floor my mom freaked I've been playing ever since you know so 
Um, yeah, it was one of those things, right? Wow. I fell in love with it right away. But I think it wasn't. Was it could have been any sport, to tell you the truth. Whether it be basketball, whether it be you know hockey, such hockey, anything like that. You know, it was just being on a team again. And I think that was the main thing that I loved. You know, and being surrounded with a bunch of guys who you know had been there, done it type thing. Mm -hmm. In my case, um, I learned so much from them, not just through the sport, but just through life. And uh, it was, it's, it's done amazing things for me, the sport. Yeah, amazing. I, I want you to take us back to that time. And I know for you, you've told your story so many times. And, but I, I, want, I want you to tell us a little bit, because I think perseverance and uh, through an obstacle that uh, most of us can't even imagine, mm -hmm. waking up like that, and you said that you don't remember the accident, but you remember that that's what you were told. Now, mm -hmm. as a, how old were you then? And as an athlete, do you think that hit home even harder than if you hadn't been actually physically being physically active wouldn't have been such a big part of your life? That's a good question. Um, so when it happened, you know, of course, you're shocked, right? You know, it's like this is a total life-changing event and all that, but when you say what it's like to be an athlete and to and to overcome things it's something we do over and over and over time you like you, there's so many good quotes about failing 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 but to make the best shot you know yeah. and all that stuff and and uh i agree that's what an athlete's mentality is yeah. right so i mean i have a perseverance attitude but you know being an athlete was one of the things that helped a lot and <laughs> with that i was able just to take the situation address it and, and then just start new goals right wow. you know to start new goals yeah. over and, and and you know you want the massive goal right but at the end of it you know you try to break these small goals and then into in sports too you do that you set goals whether you know in the highest one being going to the olympics or paralympics you know and and that's your main goal but it takes a thousand little goals to reach there you know yeah. and in that case when i was in the hospital and i first started yeah my first goal was just to not black out every time i sat out first of all wow. <laughs> you know and then uh, <laughs> yeah i know it's not the blood wow. pressure thing but um but then it's just, to, you know, to get in a chair, to actually wheel down the hallway, and then to wheel yeah. down this, and then to get further, and then get stronger, and do push-ups, and, you know, and luckily I had a, excuse this corner phrase, but I had a, a very aggressive um, um, athletic therapist, and she was like, I would say she was a Hitler's, Hitler's therapist, but, you know, she was very adamant that I do things that yeah. I probably shouldn't have been able to do, hmm. you know. And um, like, did she? She must have approached you like an athlete, though. Did she have sort of an athlete approach to you? Well, then? the funny thing is that she kind of knew me. Like, they actually lived about two miles from us. No way. So I know her son too. Now, so, was this by honestly? Was this by chance, though, that was, she was your therapist? This was total fluke. Wow. Know? So she was one of the main ones there in an athletic therapy place, um, and at the health science center. Yeah. And so it was great because she knew that you know I kind of had that attitude to just push it right mm -hmm. um to the point where i was even doing push-ups in a halo if you ever know what a halo is something that's oh, yeah. actually screwed to your head right over the end of a bench with no triceps so yeah it's kind of like a <laughs> at least you put a pill in front so if i did oh. actually hit the ground you know it would, you know it hit on pillow but you know like no sorry but that thing she just pushed me right and mm -hmm. and like my family too you know my parents they, i mean help me when i wanted to or when when i needed help but otherwise they let me do it and struggle and all that kind of stuff so a lot of times it looks like it's struggling, but you're just trying to figure out ways to do it. You know? Yeah. yeah uh, maybe give people, some people listening won't know you, Jared, won't know your story, where it has all, all gone. So uh, give us an idea. What was your uh, capability physically? Mm -hmm. When I hear broken in the neck, I'm yeah. thinking, was that neck down? I mean, you got a, you have a lot of mobility in your upper body, though, yeah. I see. Maybe explain that to us who have no, really have no idea. I could do that. Yeah. So what it is, is it's a quadriplegic, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that means all four limbs are affected. Mm -hmm. okay. And so what that um, means is that 
it's not that your total paralysis is from the neck down. Right. So my arms are affected, so my fingers don't move, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, like I said, I have no triceps, but my forearms and, and my biceps and my shoulders and my traps and, you know, all those kind of things still work, right? Okay. Um, I'm what I call an Asia B injury because there's no real spinal cord injury there, like. Mm -hmm. So Asia B means I have feeling, but I just can't move it, right? So, oh. yeah, so there's a little terminology. And, and like I use it with some of the descriptions, like it's like having a, you turn on the water hose, you know, and, you're, and then you kink it. Some can come out still, right? But some doesn't. But it's done. So it's impaired, right? Hmm. So if you want to use that, that's what it is. So in my case, from the chest down, yes, I am paralyzed with movement. Okay. But um, my arms still work. I say eighty percent of my arms still work. Okay. You know, and uh, but there is impairment in my arms, so mm -hmm. that would, hence that makes me a quadriplegic. Yeah, and the reason I ask that is because you're saying you're doing these push-ups. But for us to really understand what an accomplishment that actually is, it, you know what I mean? That's important yeah, for us yeah. to know that. Yeah. Okay, so then, so, so there you are, you've got this, I'm gonna say kick-ass therapist, like yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. pushing you. Where were you approached uh, to play sport again? When did that come into the picture? Um, probably like my sixth month into the hospital. Wow. Like six or seven month. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I just went with them and like I said, I loved it. I just went to a couple of practices before the season was over for them. And then uh, next year came around and I joined full force. Um, was lucky to have the um, Lions Club here mm -hmm. in Steinbach donate a chair for me for more sports. So had a new, uh, had awesome. a chair that was able to use for sports and that yep. was just the start of it all. Hmm. And then, yeah, I, it was great because it gave me another goal, right? Yeah. You know, and then it's okay, now I'm playing this sport. Now I gotta be the best at this sport. You know, like in my mind, you know how yeah. it is, right? Most athletes, you know, they try to be my best. And so I, I jumped in, I guess jumped in two feet, you wanna say it? And, uh, <laughs> And just kept going at it, you know, and 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 loved it. And, mm -hmm. and with the first two years, I actually made Team Canada in the first two years. Now, now, why rugby and not wheelchair basketball or whatever else? Okay, well, rugby is actually a predominant sport made just for quadriplegics. Oh! Yeah. And so, um, like I said, we're all different. Um, the sport itself of wheelchair rugby was invented actually here in Winnipeg in 1976. Look at that. Yeah. And um, so... And it's an international sport now. It's all over the world. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of the fastest growing sports in the world. And it's, it's one of the heritage sports in Manitoba and Canada now. So. Okay. Um, but anyway, so long story short, there's actually uh, four, four against four on the court. Okay. We play on a basketball court. Mm -hmm. And what it does is you have uh, out of your four players, um, everybody's assigned points with um, a bunch of muscles that work in your, in your body. Mm -hmm. So in the point system goes, like I said, with how many muscles work uh, from a three, five, Mm -hmm. down to a 0.5 so a 3.5, 3, 2.5, 2.0, you know, all the way down to 0.5. Um, I myself am a 0.5. I'm technically the weakest player on the team because of how many muscles work on my body. Huh. There's a 3.5 on Team Canada where he lost just below his knees and just in all his fingers to meningitis. Wow. But all four limbs are affected. Right. So it makes him a quadriplegic. That's right. So he can play the sport. He's a 3.5. Yeah. Out of the four players on the team that are on the court, you have to make up to eight points on the floor. Gotcha. So in that way, you can have whatever combination of ability, but you have to balance that out. Does that make it an like an advantage to have someone as good as you became be a point five? I'm getting it, Jared. Mm -hmm. I'm getting it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was a. I mean, if I use the last wow. nas uh, last uh, Paralympics I was at, um, our main line was at three three one five point five, right? Oh yeah. And we had the fast and or a three five three one point five. Sorry, that was one. We had the fastest three five in the world. We had the best hands three in the world. We had the best one in the world, and you know I was a pretty good point five in the world. You know, so yeah. Um, with that, it made really solid lines. So and that made eight points, and you know, and for the coach too though, it's like a it's a it's a full, it's a call a full contact chess because he's got to juggle these players, 
to match the other players on the other team too though yeah right so yeah it's kind of wow. an interesting game pretty cool game pretty cool game and i'm excited well, i'm learning new things i'm learning new things here so okay so two within two years you're on team canada how mm. rare is that jared and and what maybe uh, t- tell us how rare that was and what were the qualities do you think that that made that happen as quickly as it did well for one, well, I guess it was rare, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. Case. But on the other qualities, it was it was just being taught um, teamwork, okay. right? Especially in the high school sports, I had a great coach, Don Dalder. And just uh, all the other sports I played, you know, and it was basically always team sports I did. So mm-hmm. it was easy for me to just to slide into another sport, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just, it's a concept, right? You know, and yeah. the team concept. And with that, I had a great uh, team that helped me and helped train. I had a a lot of friends, you know, that we'd actually be in chairs wheeling down the highways here or the, you know, in town and stuff like that, just training all the time. They'd be helping me. Family was great. Everybody was great support, you know. And yeah. so, um, like any you know, Olympian or Paralympian can say, you know, it wasn't me that just did it alone. It was a, it was a group that did, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. What does the national team look like or, uh, for the for Paralympic rugby? Did you have to move? Did you have to go somewhere? Uh, what was that like for you? Once you made it onto Team Canada, what did your life look like then, Jared? Well, you know what? It actually varied because, like, from '95 to '97, I was on the team, mm-hmm. and then got injured, and then from 2001 till 2013, I was on the team. Oh, okay. Those two different timelines were different because it was. In- it's interesting how Paralympic sport has evolved from that time to what it is now. Okay. I mean, you got companies now like Oh No Podium, you know, Sports yep. Can, all that stuff. And uh, in the beginning, when we were when I was playing in '95, it was more. Sorry to say this, but it felt like more of a pat on the head. Yeah. You know? Here you the go. Paralympic thing, you know, and yeah, you, you'll have fun, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then after in 2000, I think they, we started becoming carded athletes. And then after that, it just, everything became serious. And, mm-hmm. and if we messed up or if anything went wrong, we were held accountable to it. Our money situation, you know, everything, everything, how every other sport revolved on how you did and, and how, um, you know, not just the, the sports side of it, but the psychology, the the sports medicine side, everything is part of it, you know, is all part of these things that make your sport grow. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the game has evolved from, in the beginning, me playing a chair that's probably was worse off than I'm sitting here now, mm-hmm. to one that's about a $7,000 rugby chair that's custom designed for yourself, you know? Wow. And, yeah. Wow. Okay, let's talk about the sport itself, and then I'm going to get get you to run us through the, some of the Paralympics mm-hmm. that you were at and, and how some of that went, maybe some highlights along the way. But uh, talk a little bit about wheelchair rugby. When we watch regular rugby, it's rough. Like those of us who don't understand it, although I've talked to rugby players before, mm-hmm. and they say, you know what, you're trained the right way. And I mean, it looks super rough, but there's technique and there's, and yeah, it is, it is. You got to be tough to mm-hmm. play rugby. Well, that's, I think, a given. Um, wheelchair rugby. I mean, we're talking there's steel involved. I don't know. There's metal and there's, you know, the chair. I mean, w- explain that to us. What's the draw of that? And, and I mean, are there some major injuries because of that uh, and all that? So, um, yes, uh, the chairs themselves, they've, like I said, they've evolved through the years like crazy. Um, in the beginning, when you did get hit a lot, you would get hurt a lot because mm-hmm. the chairs weren't designed to um, absorb the hit. They weren't designed to... Um, keep you from flipping over, all these kind of things, right? Yeah. Uh, To the chairs now where they're amazing, they're built strong, Uh, they do still crack, they still smash, they still bend, Uh, everything, it's metal hitting metal. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, but they protect you a lot more. Mm -hmm. In the beginning when I first started playing, there was no anti-tippers, and now, you know, there's anti-tippers so that when you get behind, you're going to flip backwards, you know, all these kind of things. You know, there's a lot of rules, the game game itself has evolved a lot throughout the the, the 25 plus years I've been playing. But, uh, it, it's been great to see the game uh, become 
really uh, an attractive sport now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because in 2012 when we were there in London, it was one of the top sports there. The games were sold out three years before the... Wow. Yeah, so it's it's if you ever get the chance to watch it or see it, watch it because you'll be... Uh, what I love about the sh- sport itself is that when you get somebody new watching it, they're like, when somebody gets nailed or goes flying or, you know, tumbles and stuff like that, people are like, oh my goodness, is you okay? You know? But then at, towards the end, they're cheering, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because they realize that mm-hmm. it, it shatters the barriers that people think they have of people in wheelchairs, you know? Yeah. You know, yes, some people are fragile. Yes, and I understand that. But in my case, I broke a bone. It healed in eight weeks. Yes, there's paralysis involved, paralysis involved, but it doesn't stop me from doing what I needed to do, right? You know? Yeah. So in my sport itself, too, like, I mean... Yeah, guys go flying, they go tumble. There's a lot of broken bones, there's a lot of concussions, there's all these kind of things, you know, and, and it's great to see that, you know, sports science now has evolved so much that where these things can be um, not as um, forefront as they were before, right. you know, and, and, and the uh, whether it be the equipment, um, the wheelchair itself, or, you know, other things like, here's a tidbit, um, quadriplegics don't sweat. Really? Yeah. It's, Why is that? It's below our injury. Oh! In spinal cord. Um, so when you're playing a plus 30 gym, yeah, yeah, it tends to be overheating problems. Yeah. So there's so much, uh, in our, in especially in wheelchair rugby, they've done so much research into how to cool us off in the, like the two minutes you have when you have a break or something like that, you know, and, and, and it's interesting. It's evolved a lot. What a learning curve, man, for an athlete. I mean, even just that point alone has blown me away. Um, I, I never knew that. Um, okay, so it's a tough sport. I love how nonchalantly you say, you know, you get, you know, smashed, roll around, broken bones. Uh, that's just part of the game, concussions. Okay, so you, so we already have established you got to be pretty tough to play uh, rugby, especially wheelchair rugby. Neat to hear the progress. Neat to hear that special equipment has yep. been made for your sport. Just Paralympics in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so Jerry, what was your first Olympics? What was your first Olympics? My first ones were in Athens 04. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was an amazing experience. You know? yeah. and, and like, you can attest to it. You know, it's fun because you, well, it's interesting because you train hard, you train hard, you train hard, right? I mean, the, nobody really realizes how much Olympian and Paralympians have to train in order yeah. to get to they, where they need to be. Um, but you get there and you're like, holy cow, I'm here. You know, it's like, <laughs> you're like a little school oh, yeah. girl. This is, you know, <laughs> you're just shaking, you know, and it's like, uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's the, whether it be the opening ceremonies and all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. And the hard thing for wheelchair rugby is that we're usually the last six days of the, of, of, of the uh, games. Yeah. So you don't really get to watch anything else because you're training, 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 training as soon as that, you know, as soon as after the, the opening ceremonies are done and all that stuff. And then finally your game starts up and then you start playing and you're like, okay, let's do this, you know? <laughs> and then, so it's great. And uh, we did great. We came in second place. We should have come first, but you know, say <laughs> uh, But um, who did you play in that final? New Zealand. So Aww. you know, the rugby capital of the world. Absolutely. You know, and stuff like that. So yeah. it was. Uh, if you're gonna lose against one, someone you may as well lose against. We beat the Americans in the semifinals. So in two thousand four. Now we're talking. How did Canada rank in the world? We were six. We were six in the world. Um, out of the eight teams, we were, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the sixth. Yeah. Right. So, so, so getting a silver medal yeah. was uh, overachieving. Yeah. And and now you have this hardware. You've got an Olympic medal. You've got a, a, a hanging around your neck. Does it get better? Did you ask yourself, is this going to get better? What I mean, but you told me, you just told us all that you were like 2001 to 2013, the second mm-hmm. time around. What kept you going? Well, I love the sport, first of all, <laughs> right? And I love the guys and all that stuff. And you know, they become brothers of yours and, and uh, you just keep going, right? You yeah. know, it's like, it's okay, I can do the next one, right? So, yeah. 
of course, you know, with approval of my wife, you know, because I just kept training with that team and just kept doing it and, and watching the game evolve too, which is awesome. And how it wasn't just the players and the coaches, you know, suddenly the IST comes in, right? You know, and all this stuff. And then all these other things kept evolving and it got way more interesting. So, mm-hmm. and traveling, I love traveling, you know, yeah. it was fun going all over the world and all kind of stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Jared, tell me, you mentioned your wife. Uh, we might have to go back a few steps. Okay. So where did real life intersect with the rugby there? Like, so, cause, cause that's a big part of, that can be a, I mean, that's a huge part of our life story. Of course we find our life partner. Um, but, but where did that all happen? I mean, how did you have time for that? No, <laughs> but, but where did that all happen? That where you, where you met someone, you, you fell in love and all that kind of stuff. The real life part of the rugby part of your life. Well, actually, to tell you the truth, when uh, the three years from 97 till till 2001, whatever, mm-hmm. or 2000, when I got married, but that's when I met her, and that's, you know, so I was still sort of playing rugby a little bit here in Manitoba, but uh, Team Canada wasn't on my radar then, and yeah. uh, doing schooling, doing all that kind of stuff, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Met a beautiful woman, uh, she was crazy enough to marry me, and um, <laughs> and then in 2001, I was going back, back to her, and like, you know what, I wouldn't mind playing back, getting the high-level rugby, and she was, okay, have fun, you know, like, thinking, yeah. you know. You know, not realizing what it would entitle, but you know, and then made the team again. Then, when I yeah, tried it and um, wow. well, we're still married, so there you went, go. Went on twenty years just last week, so congratulations. Now, what was your? You said you were injured, and that's what what took you away from the game for those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your injury? Broke my elbow in a bunch of places, okay. good thing, so okay. damaged it and did some stuff like that, and you know, just the normal stuff. <laughs> How disappointing was that? And and did you think you'd play rugby at that point? Did you think you'd play again? Oh yeah, I mean. You break your neck. That's you know the, that that's the top part of being injured. You know. And, yeah, you can't be. Yeah, that, that's the topper. Yeah, you know, breaking a shoulder or arm or rip muscle. You know, that's just little minor stuff. Like, your perspective is phenomenal. So yeah. different than the rest of us because you've lived it. You can say it, and yeah. I love. Thanks, Jared, for that. That's that's wicked. It, it, um, so it wasn't a big deal for you. It's like the Monty Pythons. You know, it's just a flesh wound type <laughs> yeah, thing. You know? Yeah. So. Um, so you meet her, you're married, um, and she's obviously a big part of your support team, and that's that's so awesome. Uh, 20 years, incredible. So let's go back to the rugby, because yes, yeah. your support team's in place, you know, uh, regular life's humming along, you know, things are happening, but your job is a little different than most people. Uh, you're, you're playing some serious rugby. So 2004, the Olympics, you got the silver medal. What did it look like from there? Well, um, like I said, we, we, you know, you have worlds every second year in mm-hmm. between, so we did that. Loved it. Kept on going again. Next two years, you know, you always, we kind of do it in two year stints with okay. the four year years in plan. You know how it always is. Yeah. But um, did Beijing. Yeah. Uh, Beijing was very interesting. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Um, and said my whole family was out for it too. My parents and, and same with um, Athens too. You know, and I uh, had two extras with us because then my daughter, my two daughters came along too. It's interesting because the first one that I went to, it's like a shock and awe thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people can contest that. When the second time around, I go, okay, this is business, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you, you just, you kind of, and for me, I had to change to that business mode when I started having kids, you know, sure. and um, it's more like, I can't see that I'm going to play with my friends for fun, you know, because yeah. it's not fun. It's, I'm on Team Canada, first of all, mm-hmm. and second of all, this is a job, right? Yeah. It's, it's a hundred percent job. So I had to treat it like a job and, and that's how it went. So mm. Beijing was my job. I went there, had a blast playing, um, didn't do as well. We came in third that time. There's a whole other story behind that one, but we'll get to it because I saw some of your questions there. Um, but anyways, yeah, came home with a bronze medal, and uh, that was my highlight. And I thought I thought it might be over by then. Yeah. But I was really disappointed how we ended, so I asked my wife, said, "Hey, you know, after it was all over, and we sat down, and we we're you know just relaxing, and I was like, 
I really want to go to the next one. And she says, okay. I'm like, I'm like and, and I said, well, how are you? And he goes, I know what it's, I, I, I'm there at the games. I see your energy, you know. Oh. I just like, in six days they're there, she knows what four years is of it is worth, oh. right? Yeah. And to have that kind of support is amazing. Yeah. You know? And, and, and um, I thank her every day for giving me the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, and, and I tell anybody else, you know, like I, when I talk to university students or something like that, I said, imagine you were studying your thing for four years. I said, imagine you had six days to prove that you had, and if you don't finish first, second, or third, you go back for another four years, you know? Yeah. It's insane, right? Yeah. And, and we're not talking like an hour here, an hour there, you know, you train every single day, you yeah. do every day, you go for two weeks at a time, gone, you know, from everything. Mm -hmm. You're missing weddings, you're missing birthdays, you're missing everything, you know, and yeah. all this stuff. And you do the sacrifice. And why? Because A, you know, you love the sport and B, you love your country and you want to represent them, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's so cool how you, how you said that. Something about in those six days, she saw what the four years was all about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you did Beijing. The, yes, you got the green light. You're going to stay employed <laughs> by Team Canada. And now you're heading to London. And you have a silver medal and yeah. you have a bronze medal. Yeah. And I'm thinking there's something burning inside you for something more. Yeah, there was that one prestigious one we didn't have yet. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we trained. We trained super hard. I mean, our whole team was amazing. Um, and the good thing about it, most of it is we had a bunch of guys that we've been together for the last basically 10 years. Yeah. Right? So, cool. yeah, they're basically your brothers and sisters because it's a quad sport. Sorry. You know, forgot to mention that too. Yeah. But we had uh, um, amazing ladies play too with us it was great just you know going through every trials we had you know and and you know in sports you know you love your guys you hate your guys all yeah. at the same time too you know and <laughs> and and how all those you have to go through and you have to deal with it and sometimes you're in, gone away for three to four weeks at a time i love those guys right but when you're together for that time you're just, you know <laughs> yeah it's a long time yeah. well it, and you know they're literally your brothers and sisters yeah. and that's how it is when you're with your family you know, when COVID hit and everyone was in their houses for however long, I think we all can relate to that now because yeah. now we've all felt it. So, all right. So it's, there's great glory, but there are some tough times. That was challenging. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and there's injuries. There's everything else like that. I've, I dealt with many injuries. I've ripped a lot of muscle okay. and broken bones and stuff like that. I broke a bone and a heartbeat before muscle again, you know, but I had <laughs> great people like on our staff in Team Canada mm -hmm. and here in um, Steinbeck actually too. I have an amazing guy, Dave Blatz. He, yeah. He basically put, stitched me together every single time I got injured and <laughs> kept me going all the time. Um, kudos to him. And uh, just, you know, the great support we had here at home too, right? You know, and I, I can't, there's so many times you come back from training camps and you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with the coach. I'm done with everything. You know, you're just like, there's only so much stuff you can take. And then there's only so much you can do as a human being because whether you know it or not, being an Olympia Paralympian, you're never, ever perfect. You're never, ever perfect. Ever. And the sad thing too is that I mean, while you do try to strive to be the best, your coaches think you're never perfect too, right? Yeah. I mean, they they try to do that to keep pushing you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 to be t to have that mindset that you're never perfect is hard too on yourself, right? Yeah. It is. I mean, uh, there are thousands, probably every single Olympian or Paralympian, and even athletes too, are know what it is to just say, okay, I'm giving up because I'm I can't do this, right? Yeah. Things that people about Olympians and Paralympians is that we're the ones who don't say no. That's you know, right. We're the ones who say, okay. Deep breath, let's just do this, you know? And <laughs> yeah. so, uh, yeah, we trained hard through injuries, through everything like that, and uh, then London came around. Yeah. And uh, what were your expectations? You know, I, I didn't ask you in the beginning, how do you qualify for the Olympics or the Paralympics in rugby? How did you qualify, and, and what did 2012 bring? 
you, there's two ways to qualify. One, you win Worlds, okay. and then if you win that, you automatic buy-in. And okay. the second one is if you actually host the, mm. the Olympics or Paralympics, mm-hmm. you are automatically in. Okay. And then third, you if, you if you don't, you have to win in your zonal. Okay. So there's eight teams, right? Yep. So one being the one that won Worlds, mm-hmm. um, second one being the one who's hosting, right? Yep. And then the rest have to, there's there's three zones, the Europeans, the, the Americans, and the oceanics okay and so the top two from each of those go yeah. and then there's a wild card okay right so every time we've been there we've had to qualify by winning through our zonals okay we never like to do it easy way no you know? no, no. <laughs> we've been close yeah second, second a couple of times right oh. but never you know never actually scold and so we qualified at, and at ours um in i think bogota okay and it was uh what got us into london cool so London comes as your third Olympics, the third in. You already talked to us, and uh, it's cool to hear that perspective, even for those of us who've been once. Mm-hmm. We haven't had the second time. We had the, the awe and the wonder, and that was what we had. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was already a difference. What is the third Olympics like? It was a bit like the second, where it was like, okay, this is my job. Yeah. i got to do this. i got to work hard and all this stuff. Um, it was a bit interesting more because, um, while well, Athens being the start of everything, Yeah. Actually, Great Britain was the start of the para. And so having it start where, um, or the Paralympics was where it had started was great. Right. Um, And um, the uh, Great Britain or, you know, that whole area did an amazing job promoting the Paralympics. Like it was huge. Like I said, our thing was sold out way before it even started. Cool. And um, this was a little more interesting. And if you look, my first one was in Athens where it started. Second one was in technically a communist country, you know. Mm -hmm. And then the third one here was in London where... It was interesting because you didn't have to kind of um, mime anything to get anything, you know, back, you know, you can talk to people English, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But no, it was it was great and, and they did an amazing job. The, the games were crazy. Um, it was uh, well put, you know, just yeah. having the queen. Didn't get to sit down and talk with her, but, you know, just, you know, waved <laughs> her yeah. when we were going there. A guy that was on my team for the, since 95, he's been on the team. Wow. His name is Gary Hickling. He was chosen to be the flag bearer. And he said the only way he'll do this is his team was right behind him. So when they announced Canada, we were the first ones through them. Oh, cool. Oh, it was amazing. Like, I mean, I mean, it's amazing walking through anyways. Totally. But just when they announced Canada and everybody's screaming and taking pictures, you know, it's just... And, and he was holding the flag, but yeah. that he said that is so cool. Yeah. And that you were all literally, the first really, one, yeah. the first ones in together. Yeah, it's yeah. great. And the competition, uh, what was your goal and, and how did it end? Well, it was gold, but when we started off, you know, our first game was against Australia. They were in our pool, and they were ranked number two or one in the world. And um, so we met them, we lost our first game. But then our next game against um, Belgium, beat them. Yep. Our next game was Sweden, and that was a hard game because our ex-coach was their coach. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of a, it was one of those, oh, okay. Who knows how we play, we know something yeah. about us, right? And so that was a rough game. We went... Um, we won by one, well, won by two, but we, you know, it was a good tight game the whole way mm-hmm. through. Winning that one was great, so that kind of put us into the semifinals, and there we are. Crossover was first against the number one team, US. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so you got number five going against number uh, one. Number one, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was always uh, okay, but we always have a great games against US because we loved them. Yeah. <laughs> Love them? Yeah. Is that in quotation marks? Yeah, you know how everybody loves the <laughs> oh, US Canada. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting because we're the only ones basically in the world that can beat them. Wow. Yeah. And huh. uh, so we played them. It was an amazing game. Um, it was probably one of the best games in the world I have ever played or I've ever played with and all that stuff. Yeah. We won by one point with wow. 0.5 seconds left. 
Wow. Yeah, it was one of those, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy game. Yeah. And what a moment that must have been. It was. So now that wasn't the gold medal yet, though. No. No, unfortunately, that wasn't the gold medal game. <laughs> and uh, so our next game, then we met the other people who were on the other side pool. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. Australia. We met them, played them. Fortunately, we tried as hard as we did, but we yeah. lost. Um, and there's no excuses for losing. You know, like, I mean, they, I guess they were a better team for us and then, but if there any was in, I think we put our heart and soul in that whole second game beforehand, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's, you know, and you have then, well, less than 24 hours to regroup and to go yeah. again at a game, you know? And, yeah. And so... You know, I was proud of all the guys. I was proud of everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, um, Mates that our team did. We came up with a silver medal. And, uh, yeah, it was it was about the time for me. And then, so, that was great having my whole family there. Actually, my whole family. My sisters-in-laws and brother-in-law. Or my sisters and brother-in-laws all came out. Nice. Everybody came out because it was going to be my last games yeah. for me. So, um, it was great just to end on a note like that. Yeah. And, uh, and just to be able to uh, bring home another medal. Yeah. yeah. You know, Jared, you've got three Paralympic medals. I know none of them are gold. I get that. And I even get it. But now when you look back, it, it's got to sit pretty well. And, and just just actually has time helped you sort of go, whoa, top two, top three in the world consistently. What does that mean to you that you played at that level? Or can you even internalize that? What is that like for you now when you look back? Well... Of course, you know, we know when we retire, it's like the worst thing in the world, right? I mean, just even to turn off that switch. As well, an athlete, you're, or as an Olympian, Paralympian, you're 24-7 type thing, right? Yeah. So you always have to kind of have that mentality of, you know, that's going to take the next two or three years to stop. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you know? Luckily for me at that time, um, my wife was pregnant when, she, when we were in, in, in London. And so we had this, another one. Yeah. I had my, my boy. And so I, it, that be, just became my focus right then. Mm -hmm. And just uh, helping uh, Danny with him and then getting a job and all kind of stuff, going to the real life of, of the world. Yeah. And uh, it's been great. You know, and not just uh, with the team, you know, how you have, you can have like, um, what's it called? Game plan and stuff like that, yeah. you know, there's that stuff that helps you get back into the, into the real world, I guess, again. Mm -hmm. But um, having places like here in Manitoba, whether it be the RBC Olympian program right. or um, when I was working for Liquor and Lotteries, the, mm -hmm. um, the impact team, and working with other Olympians and when, was great. It was amazing because you can sit there and you guys can, you know, tell stories to each other. And we all get what some of the stories are. Like sometimes we'll, we'll say things and somebody wouldn't understand it, but as an Olympic player, you're like, oh, yeah. Man, you know? <laughs> so yeah. my support to, 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 from ending it wasn't just family and friends, stuff like that. It was, you know, a whole community too. Yeah. Uh, Jared, what do you do now? Oh, right now I am literally almost retired. Yeah, almost retired. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is I started this year coaching Team Manitoba here at Rugby. COVID had other plans with that. But, yeah. you know, now it's trying to get back into it, doing the phases to get back into it and all that stuff. And yeah. We have a great um, executive director from Manitoba, you know, wheelchair sports is organizing stuff. Um, on the podium, even our Team Canada has brings all the coaches together throughout the provinces. And we're all talking our game plans to getting back into the playing, mm -hmm. which is great. I'm on a couple of boards now. You yeah. know how that goes. Yeah. And um, we're actually, me and another gentleman are starting a new um, peer support for spinal cords in Manitoba. Nice. Yes. So awesome. it's great. I, I, that's one of my goals too, is just start, you know, giving back, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be the sports or even to um, the new injuries, new yeah. spinal cord injuries. I, I love 
helping them out. I love um, just, you know, saying, hey, listen, I know this, you know, it's cliche to say this is like the hardest time and things get better. You know, that's the cliche yeah. line. But, yeah. you know, when you have somebody that's been there, done it kind of thing, yep. it's kind of easier to do. Well, that's that's the heart of a hero. They're passing it on. And what a resource we have in Jared Funk coaching our wheelchair rugby in Manitoba. That's fantastic. We're going to be listening for more of what happens with that. Jared, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your story. And uh, we have some rapid fire questions that are going to help us get to know you a little better. Okay. 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 Uh, what is your favorite sound? You know what? As a parent, it's listen to my kids giggle. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's kind of cheesy, but you know, <laughs> that and besides hearing chairs smash into each other, one of the two, you know. <laughs> A little bit of a contrast there, but now we understand both. What is something that you have struggled with that continues to affect you now that no one would know looking at you? Um, you know what? It doesn't matter who, um, what, you know, whether you're Olympian or Paralympian and stuff like that. Most of it all somehow struggle with some sort of either anxiety or pressure, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, the pressure, like I said, you put on us and you, you train for four years and you have six days to prove that this is, you know, there is a lot of that. So it's great seeing in the last four or five years or even more it's like that the mental awareness is becoming way more of a of a spotlight which is great because I mean people like Wayne Gretzky has said the games are 80% mental 20% physical yeah. right everybody's got the yeah. same physical you know when it comes to that level yeah it's what it is mental and so sometimes anxiety does come to play when it comes to things and sure. and whether it when in sports when you're at a high level like that or it could be just you know little things in your life and it just the great thing about it is that you learn how to deal with them and manage them. Sports has helped me a lot. Describe an ordinary moment. An ordinary moment. <laughs> Basically waking up every day. Um, right now it's been trying to teach the kids <laughs> because I'm the best homeschool teacher ever. No. <laughs> but, you know, now that that's over right now and summer holidays and now, it's, it's been just, you know, trying to just deal with the new normal, I guess yeah. is that the, the whole yeah. new quote we have. And um, just trying to just make every day fun for the kids and I. A beautiful, ordinary moment with your kids. Love it. What is one piece of advice you want to pass along to others? Um, like I said from the beginning, it doesn't matter who, what, where, what your circumstances is, you know. You put your mind to it and you can accomplish anything. I know it's a cheesy thing to say and there's probably mm-hmm. other amazing things, but that's all it is. It's, it's what you choose to do is how your life's going to be. What is a quote you love? Have you got one? Actually, there's two. Okay. Um... One is scars remind us that the past is real. And um, the other one is that goes on the same lines I said before. If you put your mind to it, um, all things are accomplished. Uh, do you have a favorite failure? Okay, so this might take a couple, a little bit. But um, my biggest failure that I learned the most from in this whole time was in, during the Beijing mm-hmm. Games. Um, we were in the semifinals against Australia. And it was a crazy game. Um, so we went to quadruple overtime with them and uh i guess you could say it probably finished playing probably about half to three quarters of the game right so you're exhausted you're tired everything that's totally. you know the whole thing um every every round of the overtime has just gone overtime 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 right so we're at the last 30 no no at last well the last 20 seconds of the game they score we get the ball over half and and something happens and we didn't score but there's a penalty so we have 0.7 seconds to score a goal uh score a try so we have this play we set up and it uh usually works every single time right 
so we go to run the play, but unfortunately, I guess they had watched video and saw and memorized our play, and they stopped it. And so in this play, I go to set up a pick for our one main guy. He turns around, comes around, and then they inbound the ball to him, and he scores in that under 0.7 seconds. Right. right. Well, our guy gets trapped, and I'm left there doing nothing. So I spun around, because he only had 10 seconds to throw the ball in, and go, and go to score the goal. So as I'm coming, and I'm looking at the guy that's throwing it to me, and I said, okay, this is what we got to do, like that kind of contact. Eye contact, he hucks the ball at me. It went right over my hands, right? It was a little high, but you know, I should have tried to grab it. It was like, well, I can catch this type thing. It would have been amazing. It would have looked awesome, all that stuff. No, it went right through my hands, went oh. through the lines. We lost the game. Oh. Yeah. So it's one of those, yeah, yeah, should we win this type thing? You know? Yeah. Didn't happen that way, <laughs> right? And it was the most devastating, probably, play in my entire whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, here the team's depending on you, you know, you just finished helping the last quadruple. Long story short, you know, it messed up, right? Yeah. And uh, I was just devastated. I like, we shook hands and I went straight to the locker room, you know, past all the media. Like, I didn't even want to talk to anybody, right? Yeah. And uh, honestly, I just I just sat alone in, in the shower mm-hmm. room just because just I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like, I was like, it's one of those things, you don't talk to me, do anything, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, I went back to the room and then it's great because we talk about having brothers and sisters right over, you know, they all come say, no worries, man. You know, it's like, yeah. we got a game tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, we do have a game tomorrow. We'll go for bronze, right? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things, right? And I'm like, but I'm probably not going to play, right? And so the whole night, you're up all night, you know, it's in your bed, that sucks because all, you know, I don't know if you, you know, you remember the Olympics, this sucks. The beds are oh, horrible. they're like cots in a yeah. dorm room or yeah. something. Yeah, they're horrible. So you're trying to get comfy in this bed that you can't, and you, you're thinking about this play over and over and over and yeah. over and over your head, right? Yeah. And so you do those things, you wake up, have breakfast, you go do your stuff, blah, blah, and you go to the gym, get all ready, do your warm-up, do all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, and then you get ready to go on the court, or do the, they do the whole ceremonies, right? And mm-hmm. You have to go on the court, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm sitting on the side, and the coach says, okay, you're on. I'm like, what do you mean I'm on? He's like, yeah, you're go play. I'm like, no, did you not see what happened just like not even 24 hours ago? And he said, yeah, go there. You want the medal, don't you? And I'm like, that kind of put all the whole perspective back into it though. Huh. Yeah. Right. And it was like, when I was like, huh, yeah. So forget about what just happened yeah. and do what you're trained to do. Hmm. Right. And so that's what we did. And it was probably as closer to one, another one of the best games I had because you know, we were just, and we were so mad. We were so mad. So we, we played mad and um, <laughs> poor GB that we were playing against, you know, we just destroyed him, you know, <laughs> physically and mentally and everything. And, you know, like we just, we were hit our heat on it, right? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and it was a great game. We won all the stuff, but through it all that my experience was no matter how low you get, you know, there's always people looking out for you, right? And mm-hmm. in my case, my coach, right? He didn't get mad at me that we lost the game, you know, and, and yes, it was a great game, all the stuff and all that, but. He was like, he put me in right off the hop again. And I was like, huh, somebody had trust in me, right? You know, and, and, and uh, in that case, yeah, I took that to heart. And uh, playing after that, you know, for the last 10 years after that and all that stuff, it yeah. was one of those things I just uh, remembered and yeah. brought that to every game. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And that came out of failure because uh, if that failure hadn't happened, you wouldn't have seen that in your coach and mm-hmm. he wouldn't have had that opportunity to say, yeah, it wasn't about that, just that one play, right? Yeah. If we want to win the medal... We need you on. And that will go like to when I'm trying to coach now, right? Yeah. Those those memories go. And and, yes. and and you as a coach and all that stuff. Yep. You know when to to see the, the the what athletes can do, you know, you know their potential, whether it's either to A bench him or B 
let them play their heart out, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. that's the things you have to learn. And as a player, we don't see that, but now as a coach, you see a whole different side, right? Yeah. Can't, you cannot replace that experience. That's incredible. Tell us, um, are you a book reader? Would you have a book that you recommend uh, to other people and why? Well, I'm reading one right now. It's the last of the third, third or fourth series of the, um, the Girl with the, the Tattoo. Mm. Oh, wow, yeah. Wow, that one. Okay. Yeah. But actually, there was a great one now that I just finished reading um, and a friend gave it to me and he said, I will push you. And it's about these two friends who um, grew up through from their from when they were young, mm-hmm. um, from grade, like when they're five years old, to when they're older now. And what happened is that one of them, they both went to university different separate ways, but when they went, one guy actually started getting some kind of disability where his body started shutting down. It was like an MS thing. Okay. So his body shut down, shut down, shut down, just going shutting down. And uh, But they were always friends and they always stayed friends. His dream, though, was to do this trail in Spain. And it's a 250 mile an hour, 250 mile trail over the mountains. Wow. And he asked, he, he asked his friend who was able-bodied if he'd push him in his chair to do the whole thing. And then the story all behind it. And it's called, I will push you. And it's an amazing book. Try to read it. Oh, sounds amazing. Uh, a few songs you love? Um, I'm a nineties guy. Yes. Right. Love it. Sorry. So it's <laughs> the glory days. Yes. The glory days when music was music, right? I guess. Yeah. Well, you and I say so. I guess so. Yeah. That's it. Right. So, I mean, anything from the nineties I like, you know, cool. like, I mean, I'm a grunge kind of fan. So that kept me going, you know, yeah. um, or even to Metallica or anything like that, you know, it's something gets you on. You kind of remember what, what pumped you up when you were in, in, in high school and yep. stuff like that and just yeah. kept it going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Warm up songs, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know. <laughs> it's kind of cheesy, but whatever, but you know, I like it, you know? And uh, so that, that would, it basically the 90s JRS stuff, you know? Perfect. Okay. Two or three people who influenced you and how they impact your life. Um, two or three. I'm going to give just two. Of that, sure. Okay? Perfect. One, I, I'm going to have to give kudos to my dad. Aww. You know, like, I know it's one of those things, but throughout my whole life, he's always been there. He's been everything from a coach to an, and he's been our equipment manager for our team here in Manitoba wow. forever. Um, he's always been there to help and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, great father and all that stuff. Mm. And, uh, made me strive to be the father that I try to be. Yeah. Um, second would be, you know, I'd have to give it to the guy that introduced me to the sport, you know, uh, Doug Grant. Um, who has passed away since since now? Yeah. But um, I don't know where I'd be without you know him just coming knocking my door at the hospital and saying, "Hey, you know, you want to try a sport?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" You know, and uh, who it's knows? Amazing. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I I tell this to all the people I'm I have speaking games I do, and whether it be you know the OT or PTs in the hospital or that, he says it just takes one person to change someone's life, right? And so. Um, and this one gentleman had changed my life that way too, you know. Yeah. And yeah, there's many other amazing people out there out there, like everything from the Terry Foxes to the Rick Hansons to everything like that. Totally. You know, in my life and personal life, these are the guys that kind of like, you know, made those differences, one throughout my whole life and, and one just made me take that choice. You know, you either walk through this door or walk through that door, you know. And Yeah. 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 Incredible. I, I, when I think of you, Jared, I think of the moment you were in your accident and what it seemed like in that moment in that hospital bed and your parents are looking over you telling you what happened. Mm-hmm. To what transpired after that moment, just an incredible rise and an incredible journey that um, supersedes anything that ever could have happened to you physically, because inside is where that hero lies. And uh, that's why you have were a shoe in easy top of my mind. When we were looking for heroes in our midst, I said, 
I'm going to Jared Funk's and we are going to hear his story. So thank you for sharing it with us. You inspire us still and uh, so cool. You're, you're an awesome dad now and can hardly wait to see what your kids do because I'm sure uh, the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Michelle. That's Jared Funk, three-time Paralympic medalist in wheelchair rugby. But as you've heard, there's so much more to him than just his sport. And he truly lives his belief that where there is a will, there is a way. Truly a hero in our midst.